Mutability. Welcome to Nature's Lead. This is a podcast available at naturesleadcom that both examines and inspires a certain approach towards life that is based both on personal philosophies and on the writings of people such as Emerson and Thoreau. Please send any feedback to info at naturesleadcom or drop a comment onto the blog at naturesleadcom or even onto iTunes or wherever you get the feed from. And if you're new to the podcast, I encourage you to listen to any prior episodes to get a better feel for things. This is Series 1, Episode 13, Title, The Nature of Creativity. Welcome again. In this episode, I will examine the natural power of creativity and look at the way some romantic writers approach the idea. So we'll get to that in a second, but first, today's random window. Here's something I wrote down on July 30th, 2005. On Thursday, during my drive home, a leaf was stuck to my window. Leaves are always blowing off my car on my drive home as I park under the only shading tree in the parking lot. It was right in front of my face as I pulled out, going 10 or 15 miles per hour. But then as I sped up, the leaf merely slid an inch here or there. Soon I was up to 50, and the leaf held steady. I was stunned. Here a 50 mile per hour wind is hitting this leaf that is essentially on a gentle incline and it's resting on the windshield as calm as could be. At the next light I examined it from different angles from the other side of the glass expecting to see some dampness or something sticky holding it down. But from another angle it was fairly obvious that its shape was the restriction. Although the tip curved upward to the sky in the hope of flight the fat base was curved down, creating a virtual suction cup latched to the window. It was from this beautiful leaf that I immediately felt a societal inference surface. It's very difficult to move a large body with a thin head that doesn't have close support. The whole length of the nose of that leaf was in concert, striving for flight. But the broad body was huddled down for a fight. Leaders so often blind themselves to what they intrinsically know, only to remain tethered to that from which they sought escape. On to the main topic, the nature of creativity. What is the nature of art? Well, maybe it's just that. It's nature. It's natural. Look at anything in nature, and you see brilliant creativity and diversity. A tree's shape is completely unpredictable. Certainly there are some basic rules and structure that trees will follow. For instance, most trees spread out the branches so as to put the greatest amount of leaves in the sunlight as possible. But if you took a plot of empty land and planted a tree there and watched how it grew, and you then repeated the process a hundred times, you'd never see a duplication. Nature is a three-dimensional canvas painted by an infinite exertion of personal and quiet creativity. Just look at clouds. Remember the Peanuts comic strip, the one with Snoopy and Charlie Brown? If you've never seen it or have never seen the television specials that air in the States on Thanksgiving, Halloween, and Christmas, there's one famous recurring scene where a few of the kids are laying down on the baseball mound at the local park, and they're looking up at the sky and imagining what shapes they can see in the clouds. These free-form explosions, hanging and morphing all day long above billions of ignorant eyeballs, are so diverse, so intricate, that children, with their uncluttered imaginations, 
can see anything and everything within their floating majesty. I remember as a boy watching and connecting with that image in that cartoon. Those boys and girls on that mound. That's what life's all about, isn't it? Can it be any more pure? But back to the topic. I feel that creativity is, in part, in our nature. Certainly humans can consciously decide to do something creative, but I don't feel creativity is a skill limited to the human brain. The, the creativity of trees may be driven out of necessity, but the intricacies explored and defined within the broader frame of rules that trees must follow is where the creative magic happens. That process reminds me of writing, where one has the framework of a beginning and an end, uh, characters and plot, a storyline. There are certain restrictions, certain guidelines, and certain goals that are common to many writers, but it is the individual creativity within that framework where true beauty, true natural creativity, lives and breathes. A book is like a tree, a painting, a flower. And the wind? Well, the wind is nature's music, confined to the air, but capable of bouncing along the waves in infinitely unique patterns. Therefore, when I see people adding something original to this world, that energy, that inspiration, that ability, to me, is a part of nature. It all comes from the same stuff. One of the things I've always felt and believed since I was young was that the greatest thing a person could accomplish was to add, as I described above, something original to the world. It doesn't have to be a masterpiece or even something that can be labeled as art. But what's great about going through that process is that maybe when someone is creating something, maybe that's the closest that person can come to being aligned with the purity of nature. Many writers in the Romantic era commented on what the source and meaning of poetry is. Wordsworth stated that poetry is the spontaneous overflow of powerful feelings. This is a very famous line from that era, because Wordsworth is connecting poetic creativity with feelings and emotion, which are viewed as part of the body, part of our nature. He didn't see it as something manufactured solely by the brain. Many of the Romantics in England actually saw themselves driven and illuminated by nature, as if nature was speaking through them. Many writers use the metaphor of comparing themselves to Aeolian harps. They were also called lyres, spelled L-Y-R-E-S. Originally, a lyre was a string instrument used to accompany poetry in classical times. But what's wonderful about Aeolian harps or lyres during the Romantic era in England was that their string-made music was driven by the wind, just as our modern-day wind chimes are, and they were a common household item. Shelley had a famous metaphor of describing himself as a lyre. In Ode to the West Wind, he asks of this natural force of wind, Make me thy lyre, even as the forest is. The idea here being that Shelley wants nature to use him as her instrument, speaking and singing to all of humanity. And he compares himself to the forest. Have you ever been in the forest when a strong wind mustered itself up and washed over the trees, the branches creaking their bends and the leaves flapping free against each other? It takes you out of yourself for a moment, 
lifting your senses and mind to a heightened level of awareness. That's the strength and emotion Shelley is seeking. He wrote that poem in the woods near Florence, Italy, by the Arno, on a day when the autumnal winds briskly picked up and brought thunderstorms and hail at sunset. What he wrote about, imagining himself powered by nature's wind and affecting humanity, was happening in front of him that day as the earth was showered with ice and water, all gathered up that afternoon by the wind. And remember how he was talking about the infinite uniqueness of our original creations? In Shelley's poem, Mutability, he's talking at one point about how we are like wind liars, and he says, quote, To whose frail frame no second motion brings one mood or modulation like the last. Each vibration of the strings and each new breath we form is new to the world and ever natural. In a poem called Aeolian Harp, Coleridge asks, What if all of animated nature be but organic harps diversely framed? Coleridge actually wrote this in this in the 1790s. So he was one of the first to think of an Aeolian harp this way. The device itself was like a wooden box with strings inside and a hole for the wind to pass through. But let me read that line again because it is so meaningful and musical at the same time. These are the types of lines that I live for. Here it is. What if all of animated nature be but organic harps diversely framed? That word framed is, of course, speaking of living frames. And that word diversely goes back to the idea of natural individuality being championed. Emerson once stated, Quote, poetry must be as new as foam and as old as the rock. I would expand that onto all of creativity. I feel that anything new we make, whether by our hands, our voice, our acts, or by the pen, I feel that these things are both an original creation and part of a connected flow. They are the infant foam on a river's tempest, and the largest rock snuggled into the side of an old mountain. I think all of us create at one time or another. It may go unnoticed by you, like introducing a new way of doing something at work or designing a garden's full growth as you choose plants and placement in a backyard garden, or even the movements you choose as you're driving to the basket in a pickup game at the local park. Creativity is everywhere in our lives, and it comes out naturally if given a chance. I think it's very valuable to see that side of yourself, to see the creative things you do in your life, no matter how small, as moments of purity, as moments of natural empowerment. We are so lucky to have the natural freedom to create, to each affect the world's painting with our own magical splash of the brush. We all have within us the nature of creativity. That brings us to a close. So until next time, I wish you well, and don't forget to follow nature's lead.